Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma-rated, collected by a mad titan, and aired live every week only on the Not Productive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Hi, Frank. Hi, Frank and just Frank. Oh, yes, we are exhausted because on Near Mint, we win Gaga over Thanos as he celebrated Infinity Month in preparation for the movie that's coming out literally minutes away from when this podcast is ready to be published, Infinity War. Oh, man. It has been a crazy ride these past four weeks. It has. It really has. And, and it, I, very useful, too. I forgot how much I didn't remember about the Infinity Saga. Well, I'm just going to keep calling it that. I'll, I'll admit going into it, because we are covering the Infinity Crusade this episode. Right, our last in the uh, in the Jim Starlin Infinity books that came out back-to-back. I When this came out back in 93, I can't believe it's 25 years now. Wow. Yeesh. I think, I believe I read the first issue, and after I was done with it, I went, I'm out. Really? I never got through it. I never actually did you, the, whole, you the whole thing in the 90s. You That's weren't sold on the idea of Unitarianism destroying the universe? No, uh, no. <laughs> so what's interesting is that uh, at the time when you had initially in the 91, 92, when you read the first few Infinity books, you loved them. I was totally them. into them, yeah. And you've kind of cooled off on them in the last few reviews. Spoiler alert to the reviews you may not have listened to yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they were still decent. I mean, but yeah, I think it was going back to the nostalgia factor, right, I guess. Right, I'm curious about whether we come off on the same. What about you, Pete? Did you read this initially in 93 or, or sometime in the early... Uh, in the early years of your life? Um, yes. I don't really remember the ending, mm-hmm. or I didn't remember it ending the way it did. Uh, but no, I did. I know I collected all the books, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I made it through them. Wow. So I don't, I know I did not read any of it. I know that I missed it completely. Uh, whereas I was aware of Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War, uh, Infinity Crusade just did, I totally missed this. This is my oh, first I sh- reading. I should point out that um, I did have an issue with collecting this entire story back then. Oh, why is that? Uh, which Do we want to get into that? Yeah, we'll, we'll I jump think so. in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this isn't just the six issue limited series. Right. Okay, we talked a little bit about uh, the way they handled crossovers. In uh, in Infinity Gauntlet and then Infinity War. Yeah, each iteration of these books handled crossover slightly differently. Yeah. Infinity War spun off into a lot more different weird crossovers that uh, there were plot threads that were left hanging in Infinity War that didn't uh, get tied up right, right. until still, the crossover. And but it was we, still more of a cohesive narrative in that, yeah, though. Yeah, that, that one, it told the main story through... Now, do uh, we ever get six. confirmation that, yes, indeed, some of these threads did get picked up in these yeah. uh, side books? Yeah, yeah. that is so, what happened. So there is a, there's some sort of arc where Spider-Man and Hawkeye are recovering in a hospital. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah. Uh, but in Infinity Crusade, when you finish Infinity Crusade number one, you're told that the story does not continue in Infinity Crusade number two, you have to pick up the Warlock Chronicles number one, and uh, then War- Adam Warlock and, and the or Infi- Warlock and the, the Infinity, Infinity Watch, Watch 
whatever number whatever yeah yeah it's so and then come back for number two or else you'll miss critical plot points this is a very chasing comic series peter brought up the the major ones but then they also have the little side one that that says also follow the story of whatever in like spider-man issue whatever and thor issue whatever Uh, yeah they don't start you with that though like that doesn't happen until like issue two or three it, it does take a while before you get the editor notes in in mid-panel that oh, says you, get those you gotta two? yeah yeah so uh i'm gonna i, I, I feel curious like, about what happened to sleepwalker pick yeah. up sleepwalker number th- whatever Qu- i know you're not but <laughs> pick it up anyway I and make sure about sleepwalker. And make it and make sure to read it before this issue or uh, the events take place before this issue yes uh i wondering what luke cage is thinking about all of this why <laughs> So I take doesn't it, matter, but you can find out. I in take it, cage number thirteen. I take it from your uh, your uh, demeanor that you do not like this way, uh, this this method of chasing. I absolutely did not, especially especially when you've created the uh, the main series. Yeah, there is an Infinity there is Crusade a main book. series. If you are doing a Infinity Crusade book, issue one through six of that should give you a complete story. You shouldn't have to go and chase down other titles. And this was a much bigger problem back in 1993. Yes. Let me put my old man pants on. No, here. yeah. You, you, it's because, not like you could just download these books and yeah. and use your uh, your Marvel app to get it all. And it wasn't even that easy. It, it was almost a crapshoot going to your, uh, your local comic shop mm-hmm. because they didn't necessarily buy... Uh, a lot, a of, lot of copies uh, of this is where we could these. transition to a, a comic book store owner from the 90s saying, listen, this is why I, mean, I got out of the business. I completely understand why they wouldn't. Yeah. And for people like me at the time who didn't have uh, the ability to get to a comic book store every week. And, and we brought it up uh, yeah. at the beginning of these shows. We read them off of spinner racks. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, and. Forget trying to find Warlock Chronicles on a damn spinner rack. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it yeah. was never going to happen. And I feel like uh, another side effect of this, where it spreads out into other unrelated titles, is you get recap after recap after recap. Yeah. Where yeah. it's sometimes literally, well, oftentimes the dialogue would be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, it, but it was fun occasionally to see a new. Uh, artists take on the same panels from a different story where you could see Ron Lim yeah. do one version and somebody else do something else uh, when yeah. they were recapping. I, I, I actually enjoyed that. Occasionally that worked. So what I'll say is as an om- omnibus or as a collection, which is one of the ways, was how I read it, I'm okay with it. I actually didn't mind chasing those books. In modern comics, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind too much. You could again, your comic store could probably order pretty easily. Uh, but I definitely recognize the complaints. That that is a legit complaint to to have. Um, and it's it's weird because at this stage in the sprawling crossover, you're getting the pick up this book to read that and pick up that book to read this. And then occasionally you will get something where they're still trying to make somebody a thing. And uh, but they're not trying too hard. <laughs> Sleepwalker is my favorite in that he had the one where it's like, listen, if you want to understand this, pick up Sleepwalker. Just don't worry about. What it. I liked was the if you read Sleepwalker, you already get this. Yeah, but you know, and if not, whatever. Here's a, a three panels that mean yeah, nothing. Do you want to know why Sleepwalker poisoned the orange juice? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yes. a, a, I almost said a plot point, but is it? It is not a no. plot point. It it's is just something random. That, 
panels <laughs> thrown into the story I for no reason. It takes up a total of maybe six or nine panels spread out over a couple of books, meaning nothing. It's just Sleepwalker shows up. It's like, ooh, who is this mysterious man with powers? No one. And then he does something kind of cool. He stops villains or heroes, I'm sorry. Uh, and then later on, we find he is uh, like, brought he, back yeah, into he, the fray by Poison Orange Juice. Well, he, he, it, uh, it doesn't matter. The thing that got me about that is, is is you have this whole big deal made about how he mysteriously vanishes. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, where'd he go? And then there's that crucial moment where... Something happens and he's not there to save anything. Oh no! Wait, that didn't happen. Never happened. It's no. never brought up, and then he's brought back, right through poisoned orange juice, <laughs> or roofied orange juice. Yeah, yeah. roofied orange juice. Yeah, and it's like his, so. Wait, his wait just absence. in case people are listening to this podcast and they didn't want to read this book, which I understand. <laughs> I want to just say what happens is there's this human boy. I don't care it's if a he's host. a man. He's just a human boy. His name is Rick, Rick Sheridan. Yeah. Rick, who uh, <laughs> shares his body with this sleepwalking alien thingamajig. Does From not matter. Called Sleepwalker. Who Sleepwalker is one of the uh, antagonists in the story, uh, a brainwashed hero who at some point disappears because his gimmick is that when his host boy wakes up, he's he, sucked into he's Rick's sucked mind. Into his mind. So host boy wakes up, he's like, "Hi, dog," and uh, that was it. That was in mm-hmm. the middle of the story, had no consequence. Later on, host, host boy goes back home after a jog. I don't know what it was. I he's think like, he just woke up and like rolled out of bed, <laughs> and he goes into the kitchen and he's like, "Oh, I didn't." No, I had orange juice. I thought I was out. And I guess drinks, I'll drink it. And he drinks the oranges, the mystery oranges in his kitchen, and he passes out because the the alien super being had previously the alien super not being who this. has experienced an epiphany an epiphanic vision yeah. of the supreme deity, right? That this sleepwalking aliens had, worship at some point thought, you know what, this kid's a real killjoy. I'm gonna put some roofies in my orange juice. <laughs> And leave it there for Rick to drink. So when he passes out... Don't forget, Rick was out of orange juice. So Sleepwalker, before going to meet God, (laughs) went to the store as an alien and either either bought or or stole stole orange orange juice. juice. He then must have gone someplace to procure... Sleeping pills. Right. I I, I don't even want to speculate how he did that. He dosed the orange juice he And then went and answered the call of the Almighty. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm crying. I'm just crying. Right. (laughs) And all of this... For absolutely nothing. If they had had something where it was like one panel, there was one panel where they said, oh, darn, if only Sleepwalker was here, we could have succeeded. So I have some anecdotal information. I do have some anecdotal information. At the time, Sleepwalker, which was a relatively new book, was being pushed. So uh, I don't have any reports, although we could probably do a little research to find it. I don't think Starlin said that he had an order coming down from editorial (laughs) saying, put Sleepwalker in this thing. But if ever there was an order from editorial, it was this. Oh, man. Actually, who is your favorite uh, uh, character that they're trying to make into a thing? Is it Sleepwalker or the other one who had way too much real estate in this book? before we get to the other one, I do want to mention one who had slightly less... Real estate than uh, Sleepwalker, and that was Darkhawk. Yeah, yes. Who was specifically giving him the line about I don't know anything about Sleepwalker. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
I had forgot that this Darkhawk and Sleepwalker were introduced at about the same yeah. time, I, yeah, and like they were both equally being pushed. Yeah. Right. Now, my uh, what I forgot is, because I did enjoy D- uh, Darkhawk. I was an early adopter of yeah. Darkhawk, for whatever reason. Who, by the like, way, had met and had several crossovers with Sleepwalker at this point. So he did know about Sleepwalker. So uh, was his gimmick that he knew things about everyone? No. Dark, no. No, no. So, like, all. why would you just exceptionalize it? Just, it? I don't hey, know anything about this Hey, guy. I'm a brand new character, and I've never met this dude. Yeah, you've never met anybody. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, um, but our, I, I think, Frank, you were trying to get us to ta- transition to Maxim. 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 Maxim, who we join already kind of a fledgling ma- a member of the Infinity Watch, mm-hmm. which is too teeny. At this time, Marvel Comics and comic books in general, there are certain organizations that exist you would think that behave differently than one another. Mm-hmm. Not every hero team should act like a boys club or, yeah. or whatever. They don't all have charters and... Yeah, exactly, and decoder rings and then they uh, nor do they disseminate contact information to all the other teams yeah at this time everybody including infinity watch which it was a confusing organization the fact that they existed to safeguard aspects of reality it's weird that they devolved into basically teen titans go where they each have their room (laughs) and they're like bickering with one another and they're trying to determine who's the strongest weightlifter it's ridiculous and in this we we meet uh this is my first introduction to a character whom i don't know is ever has ever been important since no i I think they desperately tried to make him important yeah i think i think starlin tried to make him important well first off if you're going to create a new character don't dress him up like thanos because that was a little confusing for me because in a couple of scenes when they show him the costume almost looks like thanos yeah, I guess a little bit. There's a, there's a pouch. There's thing a lot on. more red though. Yeah, and of the characters that get introduced and are turned into a thing, Darkhawk is hilariously barely in it, but he does get mm. some panels. He gets some words. Uh, Speedball, who wasn't really, they weren't trying to push him as a thing, but he wa- he is still the comic relief of this. He book. was the klutz of this one, at least for the first two he issues. Some, He's the comic relief of Marvel. He was constantly tripping and, over things, and they like had a scene where he tripped and almost went face first into She-Hulk's chest. And somebody he dis- tripped in a fight yeah, with Wolverine Iceman or something. Tripped him in. Yeah, Iron Man was it Iron Man who intentionally brought him into battles as a distraction, as bait is the literal word. Something he used. Uh, so, I think it was Wolverine. No, I don't I, I, whatever. I don't care. Uh, I really don't <laughs> so care. Yeah, weird. But yeah, for me, Magnus was the one that was most egregious. Maxim, Maxim was the one that was most egregious because Max he had Ham. M-A-X- so much real estate. M A X A M. So the way. so not many like characters were focused on whether or not he truly had amnesia. That I was like, the world is coming to an end. Yeah. The world is coming to an end. It's fine. You know and what? He was we'll ash- help you with your amnesia later, though. Yeah, we'll question that maybe a little bit. Also, him being as powerful as the Hulk. I didn't realize that the Hulk and 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 Drax were on the same power level. I'll, I'll give you that. That's they a lot, of, a lot of weird. But Drax did have the power gem at that point. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, if you're separated, too, Hulk does make the thing that, man, I wish I could fly like Drax does, too. Yeah. I get it. There was just a lot of oddness, a lot of choices in this book. As long as we're still talking about some of these characters before we actually get into the, the actual story or whatever, or some of the, po- the points. Or lack thereof. Let's Ooh. go back and revisit something that we've been talking about with these past episodes, and it's where these characters are also at at this point. 
because there's this weird thing about all the characters. We had the weird Iron Man. We brought up the weird Iron Man armor and and all that. Um, this time, Sue is it, in her ridiculous, most ridiculous she's outfit. In that or one weird of her most one piece with holes cut out all over the place. Yeah. Um, Anybody who criticizes Power Girl's costume really needs to take a look at <laughs> Sue Storm's costume from yeah. this era. Yeah. Because um, that is just ridiculous. Well, keep it with, with the FF. Thing had the full helmet on that covered his face. Because yes. Because if you for, if you remember, uh, I think he Wolverine. was in war with Wolverine and Wolverine cut a chunk out of his up. face. I, yeah. And I didn't remember, three, but I had to look at it. Three Wolverine slices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but going back to Iron Man 2, apparently Tony is not Iron Man in this story. Because Iron Man is there, they're talking to him, and they keep, and Reed makes things saying, you know, I, wa- I wonder what Stark was ooh, thinking when ooh. he... I think I know. Yes, yeah, I, I can, uh, I can, I can uh, give you a definitive answer on this one. Uh, that is Tony Stark, but at this point he is still yeah. pre- pretending that Iron Man is his bodyguard. Yeah, it's a secret identity. That, that was still going on in the 90s? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. It was kind of going on again. Yeah, I think that's true. I yeah, think it, it, it was it, one they of brought those, it back. Oh no, no, no! This isn't Tony Stark in the armor anymore. He's he's actually Tony Stark's bodyguard again. Right. I know it was a lie this before, time I mean but it. yeah, seriously now. Uh, so yeah, and I, I think the general concept here of the of the book, this is one of the weird ones where the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Gems barely make an appearance in this story. They are referenced several times as, since they're no longer on the table, we need to come up with something even better, which is now the cosmic egg. Well, the cosmic cubes first, because they're yeah. from different realities. And then mixing Not them together. Not all cubes, they're containment units. Containment units. Yeah, that, and yeah. that was one of my notes. But we're gonna... The squ- egg? <laughs> yeah, we're an gonna egg. squeeze them together and make an egg. Yeah, so... Uh, I think we let this go on for too long before I, I drop this bombshell on you guys. Uh, I really like this book. <laughs> I in- I wish there was a way to I- verbally communicate the look I'm giving Frank yeah, I'm right gonna now. I'm going to leave that we, we that pause, that pregnant pause is perfect. I enjoyed this and I'll explain why. This the writing is tight and consistent. It's better. It is better and it's it's I think as as good as it's been since Thanos quest. And I, what I mean by that is where in Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War, I'm occasionally reading this thinking, what the hell? Like for example, in Infinity War, I believe there was so much techno babble that I'm like, I don't care about the what emanations and frequencies you're focusing on and where they're coming from and what happened. Like, I don't need to know any of that stuff. There's minimal amount of that in this book. And it occurs every once in a while, especially towards the last few pages. But there isn't a ton of it. No, it, but it, not in the beginning. But it did shift from the idea of the techno babble to the religious talk. Yeah, but I don't think that was uh, babble to me. To, I understood. Okay. And the techno babble in uh, the earlier books are often uh, magical as well. Magical techno babble. Uh, in this book, when when characters do have these weird religious epiphanies and what have you, uh, you get the concept here. I, I totally understood. Like, there are some characters who are who have faith and are willing to risk it all on the chance of there being eternal peace. But do we really know what eternal peace is? Especially when somebody comes up and says, I'll make sure there was no more conflict ever again. You know, I get the the, the concept that conflict 
is sometimes necessary in a world where you have free will. That's that's pure religious dogma right there. I get that concept. And I think the book does a good job of dealing with it occasionally. There are characters who address the concept of whether or not free will is more important than peace. That's the whole argument that the Avengers go through when uh, with Mr. Fantastic is trying to decide whether or not they should get involved. Ultimately, Goddess's uh, objectives, I don't know, are, are quite good, but I get, I totally get what Starlin was writing, and he was writing was consistent. The voice for characters were consistent. Occasionally, they didn't say much, there's plenty of characters who appear barely in the book or are there just to get punched and knocked down. But the few that do get some real estate do a good job. I, I also think the stakes in the story are better than any of the other ones, except for maybe Thanos Quest. Whereas the, the stakes in Infinity Gauntlet and the stakes in Infinity War were like, our heroes will do nothing and accomplish nothing and they can have no impact on the story because all powerful beings are at stake here. But in this one, I get that there is some conflict about the heroes who are not raptured and the heroes who were raptured coming to conflict with one another. You know, I, I guess part of this is because the Infinity Gauntlet isn't on the plate here. I felt there was a chance everyone could do something. All right. Beat me up. No, I mean, I guess. I mean, there. Are, you're right. There are points. I like the fact that it was a completely different story from what we saw for the last two. And I think I made a parallel over the last two episodes that they were similar stories in a way. It was like the same storytelling. And I think you called Infinity War, yeah, Infinity draft Gauntlet, two. Draft 2. Right. And I like the fact that or the interesting part was there really weren't villains in this. We didn't have that Doom and Kang and we didn't have... You know, we had Mephisto, but at one point, like, he, he wasn't really there. He just wanted a gem, or he wanted a, a containment unit when it was all over, right. essentially. Uh, Thanos was essentially a good guy in this. Yeah, it was, he was practically a hero. Even though, essentially, he went back and said, well, listen, I'm just looking out for myself like I always do. But, I mean, there really weren't any villains, and the, the big stakes was the heroes and friends fighting each other. It was essentially, it was a prelude to Civil War. Yeah, it was like an early edition uh, Civil War of can we use ideology to put care, uh, heroes against each other? And it's not like Marvel hasn't been doing that since day one. But in this book, I think it was a nice you know, uni Marvel Universe-wide event where you could show that off. I think Jim Starlin had recently watched Star Trek V <laughs> and said... Nothing, movie is, has is, ever, nothing good has ever come out of that. I, I think this movie's flawed, and I'm going to take this concept and try to improve on it. Uh -huh. That's exactly what it was to me. I see that. I also saw some uh, Watchmen inspiration, possibly. Okay. It was in a period of time where I, I don't know if we were quite done have, being inspired by the Watchmen, but especially the scenes where the universe is coming to an end, and there's someone reading a comic book. I was like, ooh, yeah. that I, could, I definitely felt that. Um, yeah, Pete? Yeah, um... Some of those points that you've made, I can uh, I can appreciate. I think a lot of those points that you made were good and interesting concepts uh, when it came to religion and what it, what is morally right to do. Do the ends justify the means? All those ideas I think were were kind of brought up, but I don't think they were ever explored. And that's that's where my problem is. It there was so much brought up but never. I don't, I'm not even looking for answers, just debate. Even. Yeah, yeah. I and it's it doesn't happen. It's it it it's just 
anger and fighting and we'll we'll punch the good into you <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll punch the good in you and we have to punch them until st- they stop being so clearly not good yeah um which i could kind of understand better than the punching the good into you i i agree 100 percent, and it's one of those things where like i think in comparison to what came before i do feel the storytelling is tighter but as a standalone I am, you know, a little disappointed that none of these things were really explored in a, a an interesting way. I mean, Reed and Sue on two different sides of this this faith versus, you know, the ends justifying the means. Sue's tragic loss that she's had to suffer through recently and and the hope that the goddess has given her versus Reed who is trying to do what's right but at the same time has to be rational in in what he's looking at. They ne- they literally never speak to each other. Yeah. They never speak to each other. And, and I think there's maybe a half of a second when Reed seems to consider, oh, no, in this conflict, I might have to engage in battle with my wife. Yeah, it's hard to it's say. Like he's, he's more concerned about losing his wife because I think the, I think the story took the cop out of mind control. At some point or other, the zealots, the people who were raptured, the heroes that were raptured, were clearly somehow mind-controlled. And at, when it got to that point, it was like, oh, then yeah, you're, they, they, goddess, you're a villain. I, and I, that's my argument against you, Ken, is I, I get, on paper, I don't think there was a villain. I think that's what we were told over and over again. But like, clearly, goddess had not, not good intentions. Mm-hmm. Even when it came down to her big epiphany, I mean, everybody suffered the exact same fate, which I guess is kind of... She describes it differently, so I, I still buy the fact that she doesn't think of herself as a villain. Right. But um, I, 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 Yeah, here's the thing, though. I have such a big problem with the character of the goddess because she's characterized, like, metaphysically speaking, she should not be capable of any kind of evil because she is all of the good in Adam Warlock where the Magus was all of the bad. She shouldn't be capable of even misguided problem. I, I can't see her trying to kill the universe in order to make it good. I can. Or I, in, in order to eliminate evil. I can. I think, and I think uh, Starlin does a good job of explaining that while it's happening. I'd, saying yeah. that, in my opinion, that when the good people, I can't, I'm not going to quote the book, but at points when the uh, sun is blowing up an entire solar system, all the just, wonderful people are looking up in rapture as their bodies burn mm-hmm. and all the evil people are left behind as their bodies burn. And I think it's, uh, I think she's misguided in thinking there was no, there's a difference between their ultimate fates, but she clearly, since it's her monologue, believes there's a difference. She thinks the good people are being brought up into heaven and that the bad people are being destroyed. And it's the idea of ultimate purity. Essentially, she wants to purify the world. And I think there was a comment in there at one point based on the fact that as long as people have free will, there's always the possibility of evil, which why it has to be cleansed. And that's and hence the brainwashing so that yeah. those heroes think exactly the way she does. Good they point. don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a that is an excellent point. So, yeah, it's uh, I guess it's a, a divisive book. But I will say that I feel like it was different. 
so much so that this is the like uh, we can almost barely call this a Thanos Infinity book because uh, Thanos, although this does make use of two Infinity gems in here, uh, mostly one, the one that he uh, he uh, borrowed from Warlock, <laughs> yoinks from mm. Warlock, but uh, even that seems kind of like it's just. This is Infinity Gems 2.0, which are much more weak. Or 3.0, since I guess 1.0 was they're not even Infinity Gems. They're just these things in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think disturbed me or so, or made me uncomfortable, was the idea of the religious aspect of it. Uh-huh. And the whole idea of the Holy War and everything else. And just anytime you, you do something like that, you know, you, you think about stuff you hear on the news and right. actual wars going on. And it just gives me a very uncomfortable feeling, especially yeah. in my fiction, in right. my fantasy. Yeah. If this were a little goofier, uh, I would definitely have had problems with it. But I could see why you would. I mean, like, what are the first images that show up? One of the first images that Goddess uses to show up to people is a, a golden cross. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, we right? had, uh, panel after panel. It was a cross. It and was then a Star it was of David. David yeah. and- and then Can I just say- an outline of Buddha? Which was one of the things oh, in the back. Yeah, I'm like, the, what was that? <laughs> the outline of like what a Buddha might look like. Every the time, Holy Grail. Yeah. Every time yeah, I that's saw that, like, I, I I was chuckling when when Sasquatch saw the uh, <laughs> the Star of Star David. David. Yeah. I don't know why Sasquatch is Jewish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, but I think that was established in the comics previously, but so hat tip to the the canonical realism, but. It's still just kind of goofy that it was Sasquatch was the character. Because he's still in the Canadian wilderness, like, looking up majestically out. And I also it. like the idea that apparently the people of Atlantis worship a, a trident. Yeah, yeah, well, that their symbol is a trident. Well, Neptune. Uh, I, I guess. I guess. I don't know. They've never really said that before. We just assume. In one of Ben Grimm's and backstories, another, I, I think, a poignant scene when he's... Uh, when he talks about his crisis of faith and why he may not have been raptured, about that with when his aunt was diagnosed with cancer, right? Uh, I did notice because I'm aware that Ben Grimm is one of the more interesting canonical Jewish characters in in comics. Uh, I guess maybe it wasn't established at this point, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it because there was a cross on his aunt's grave. Not that that isn't possible, mm. but you know, interesting. She that converted. You, you could have easily have used that as an uh, if. If it was canonical and well-established, it could have been used that as an opportunity to less awkwardly put in a religious symbol like a Star <laughs> of David into the into the, uh, into the the equation, as opposed to having it appear majestically over the Canadian wilderness. I'm still... Uh, what? No. The, the, the Black Knight worships the Holy Grail? I guess. I don't... <laughs> I'm not sure if... The, I think these are symbols of divinity to the various people that yeah. uh, were, were seen to. Yeah, it, it's, it was a long shot. This story was a hell of a long shot for Starlin, uh, and it's up to you whether or not he, he hit the mark at all or completely missed it. Let's talk about a couple of things that we enjoyed and we uh, didn't like at this story. Maybe that's an appropriate time to bring them up. Uh, I don't know. Oh. What do you think about the comic relief? There is a strong Pip the Troll I was gonna say, thread through these The books. whole Pip the Troll thing. I think just, it was too much. Oh, God. Oh, good. Too much. Good. Usually I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, the sore thumb or the, no. the sourpuss in the If room. there was one more Pip smells joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Get it. Pip's, Pip the Troll smells bad. Yeah. yeah, I did not enjoy those. Let's force him to take a bath. And I don't think anybody else read this. But there's an entire episode. Uh, there's an entire issue 
where Pip has come in contact with the cosmic egg and has the uh, power of a god and spends the entire issue thinking about how he's going to get revenge on people for, for forcing him to take a bath. Good. Good use of time. Good like, use of really? time. Really? Uh, Actually, maybe I forgot, but what was the point of Warlock going into the, the soul world to meet up with the Magus? Because... The Magus doesn't come out to do anything. I believe it basically boiled down to, I need your help. I need the Magus's help to overcome the goddess. We, we, need, we need to reunite my soul, uh, and I, I need him on board. And the Magus said no. Yeah, because if you read it, you, you know that he saw the Magus or the Magus. And then the payoff at the end is just the Magus telling her, uh, the goddess that, oh, yeah, by the way, we're in our own hells. I think like like Pip the Troll turning the goddess into a pillar of salt for a minute. It's just one of those fake outs. Like you think it's over, but it ain't. Mm. Um, it, it, so you think, you know how this is going to be resolved, but no. And as a matter of fact, we didn't need this out anyway. And once again, the adversary is defeated through trickery. Yeah. By deceit. Yeah. Oh, and also, well, Defeated by trickery and the most powerful thing in the Starlin universe, which Adam is Warlock. Adam Goddamn Warlock. I hate Adam Warlock. I still love him. I He's still one of my favorites. Hate, I despise this character, this Mary Sue of a superhero <laughs> who comes in with every ability that you need. He is. So you and will, Starlin so actually calls him Heathcliff. At one point, and I'm like, yes, he is brooding on a windowsill, where, and he has like a gaggle of girlfriends who defend him when people criticize him. Gamora and she's Moon not Dragon. his girlfriend. Oh yes, that was another <laughs> priceless thing. So you sided with the Hulk every time he was going off on Adam Warlock. Oh my God, he's just such an insufferable <laughs> douche, and it's just it's very uns. And the weird thing is, Thanos is there doing almost the same kind of. I, I plan five steps ahead of you thing that Warlock does, but does not come off as this insufferable douche you can't stand to read. That was the other weird line, too, because at one point Thanos says, um, I, I can work with Warlock because I'm the only one who understands how he thinks. Yeah. I, or I, I, I'm, I'm going to be the hero because I know how to, how to work because with him. he's the only one that realizes that adam warlock is a douche <laughs> I, I actually think he's the only one who realizes that adam warlock is the main character that the writer is interested like he's like yes. all right you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna follow adam warlock i'm not gonna question it i'm certainly not going to stand in the background with a thought bubble that says who is that mysterious golden stranger and why do i love to hate him so much it's like it's ridiculous he's such a oh my god it's He's less insufferable in his own series, but it's pretty insufferable in these universe-spanning books. Um, and yeah, I think well that, that I think that comes. We've come to the end of our, our of our Infinity Month. I think we should talk a little bit about the movie and what we think should happen. My first question to you is: What happens if Adam Warlock is introduced in, into the movies? All right. So here's one of the things that is a theme in these books that I'm actually afraid might happen in the movies, in the movie. Uh, and that is the trying to make a character a thing, right? So when you're like, it's like trying to make mm. who's going to be the meme? Who's who's the character we're going to try to make the it character? If you try too hard introducing a new character and making everything kind of revolve around them, I think that's going to be a fail point. I would yeah. I'd be very uninterested if I'm having to get to know who Thanos is and also have to get to know who Adam Warlock is. And if Adam Warlock shows up and saves everyone constantly. 
Imagine, imagine if this golden Goldilocks superhero appears and saves T'Challa. And T'Challa's like, who is this mysterious person? Who's better at me at everything? It saves Gamora. Gamora's like, I don't want to be his girlfriend. But I'm <laughs> but doing I bedroom. Be his like you could, you could. I, they're not going to do this. They'd, they'd be suicide. But I would hate that. I'm just throwing out there because we've we've got the hint of the possibility of him in the universe. We don't even have a hint. That, there's specifically well, introduced at the end. We yeah, have the yeah. hint that, or the possibility that he can show up in this. Though, yes. is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I I don't know if I. It's really not the character I hate as much as the way the character is often used. Mm-hmm. So hopefully there's that. There have, to, to be fair, there have been other incarnations and other uses of Adam Warlock that are much more effective. Right. The second volume of Guardians of the Galaxy did a pretty mm-hmm. good job with that. The Abnett and Lanning. Yeah. Another thing I'd be afraid of, another theme that shows up in these books that I wouldn't want in the movie is the everything comes to an end and everybody dies. But no. Yeah. The fake out. That I, was the worst. Yeah. That was the worst in this I book. I actually loved the fake out in this book See, compared to every other fake out. I did. Yeah. So why don't you like it? Yeah. It was the idea of, okay, we're going we're gonna to fake her out and let her think that this happened. But the thing was, they spent way too much time showing all of the images of it happening. And it just took up a lot of the book. Like, it didn't, it, 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 just for something that ultimately They weren't using didn't it for matter. anything better, Ken. For, for, ultimately didn't <laughs> They were matter. never going to use it for anything better. Well, it's like, it was like, they, if might Star- as well eat up more space. Starlin felt that he had to show it. Yeah. And you y- didn't. Because, uh, because ultimately, so I disagree with this. I think it was a better way that you, you probably could have done it a better way. I, so my, the reason why I like it is the fake outs that happen in the first few books uh, there wasn't really a th- fake out in Thanos Quest. In Infinity Gauntlet, it was like, and this will never happened because uh, Adam Warlock wills it, which I think is okay. I mean, whatever. It was a very clops- a clumsy first crossover. Infinity War was even more confusing where it was just like, okay, we'll undo most of the stuff, but people still have the memories of it. Good luck with that. <laughs> and no other explanation. In this one, we had, I think, three to four pages of Aftermath of, of 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 the destruction of the world there is wonderful copy from starlin in this talking about again in my opinion the goddess's irrational belief that this will make everything right by killing everybody everything will be pristine and perfect finally and that it, unra- it unraveled within the storyline not as a stupid little thing at the last few pages leaving the heroes going i guess it never happened uh so i like that it ha- that it that the the, the turn back happened immediately and we had pages where people could deal with the consequences of what it was, including like Wolverine and Storm talking about like, I feel like I've been used and like, yeah, that's what happens sometimes in religion. And it's interesting. I think these are really interesting concepts that came out. Um, I will uh, agree with you, Ken, on the whole I'm not sure if you were saying this, but the inexplicableness of well, what we did is we gave you a, a five second fantasy well, of what it would have been like if you had won goddess. That seems stupid. that was my problem. And it's like someone that all powerful didn't realize that she didn't actually cause it, but watched it saying, oh, I guess I did it. Yeah. Is that what it was? I, I'm, I'm not the, like, uh, the MacGuffin magic. Do it. Yeah. The magical MacGuffinness of it and the rules of it. I don't care about, but I do feel like it was kind of a. Oh, we, I, f- I felt like you got to draw, if you're having a crossover and you have heroes are going to die, you got to make them die. Yeah, oddly S- enough, I didn't, I didn't have that problem. Like, I, 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 I bought the fake out 
okay. Yeah. You'd say, oh, we timed this perfectly because I'm a Mary Sue. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a problem with, well, maybe they didn't time it. Maybe, maybe they shouldn't have been able to time it that perfectly. Mm. But I don't have a problem with, okay, a perfectly timed illusion makes you think that uh, because she wasn't as all-powerful as she thought she was. Yeah, and there's a lot of power creep and and stuff that goes yeah. through in all these stories where it's like, my power is infinite, not nearly as infinite as my infinite power. <laughs> I don't have a problem with the mechanics of it. I just I just think it was dumb. Yeah. Do we have any other predictions for this film that will have almost nothing to do with the four books we read? No, I just, I just want to go in and be surprised and enjoy it. Yeah. I think my biggest yeah. takeaway is... And this is the only way, that's all I really need is you got to do Thanos right. Because the one thing that goes through all these books is that when Thanos is done right, he's an incredibly interesting, compelling character. He's a bad guy who does some good things occasionally, but he is he is interesting and deep. And occasionally settles down and starts a farm. Yep. And occasionally writes bad slam poetry about his girlfriend who will respond to his calls. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it's it's time. Our last book, Infinity Crusade. Let's rank it. You, you want to start yeah, off think, with me? Well, really? Pete, Pete, I think it's I pretty think clear know. where you're going. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Poor. Yeah. Wow. If there was something lower than poor, it would be Unbelievable. Wow. I did not expect the poor. I scored the other two books pretty high going into it i mentioned the p earlier i don't think it was terrible but i don't think it was overly amazing so i'm just gonna go in the center and give it a good a good oh all right so i think i gave uh thanos quest either a mint or a near mint i i Oh, now yeah. I'm thinking I think it's a mint. Did. Mint, yeah, it was a three-way mint. Uh, and then mm. I couldn't. I tried as I might. Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War were both goods for me, and I like this book better than those two. Oh man, it's so weird. So I'm gonna give it a good. I, no, there's no way I could give this a near mint. There's a lot of there are problems with it. <laughs> good. And, uh, I got I'll be fair, and it, it's goddess. still oh. good. It's still just a good story. I do. There are many things about this I enjoy more than the other books, but there are things of the other books I enjoyed more about than this one. It's all kind of a good mix. Hey, read Thanos Quest. It's one hell of a book, it's guys. Still one of the greatest it's great. books ever. And one hell of a podcast is Near Mint coming to you right now through your ears. If you've liked Near Mint, why don't you rank and review and follow and comment on this post and tell your friends and tell your enemies. It really does help a lot. Follow us on all your social media accounts because you can never get enough of a bunch of jerks talking about comic books and ranking them probably incorrectly, right? Let's be honest. Do those things he said. Yeah. And we'll see you in the movies. Marvel's The Avengers Infinity War is coming soon, probably right now, to a theater near you. April 27th. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.